Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com and on iTunes. Hopefully you're having a great week. If not, still got time to make it better. Hopefully you've been enjoying the shows as well. First three have been amazing, if I do say so myself. Getting great feedback from you on our Twitter account, at ClayYoungBR. If you haven't followed yet on Twitter, what's wrong with you? At ClayYoungBR. Follow us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Just my name, Clay Young. And, of course, Podcast225.com has its own Facebook page as well. Keep this open short this week. Got a lot to get done today. We talk with Lionel Rainey, who is the spokesperson for this movement in the capital city region in Louisiana called the City of St. George. It has been a controversial item for the past year and a half or so. And this year, 2015, could be the year that all of that becomes a reality with a simple vote of the people. And Lionel will talk about it. We get into a great number of the issues that have been born out of this movement. And he speaks candidly to you about them. We ask him direct questions. And for the most part, he gives us direct answers. He's someone that I've known for a very long time. I like Lionel. Don't think he's a bad guy. You're going to learn a lot about what's going on with this movement from his perspective. And then part two of our conversation with former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff Leduff. The chief talks about Hurricane Gustav and what the capital city went through during that time. And he also tells you about an incident that took place with a citizen in Baton Rouge and how that one could have gotten very, very ugly. You'll hear it in his own words. Quickly here, remember the 22, the campaign that I've been telling you about on every show with Warriors for Freedom. We lose 22 military veterans a week to suicide. Excuse me, 22 military veterans a day. That's the thing. When you tell people about it, they assume about 22 a week. No, we lose 22 military veterans a day to suicide. 22 a day. Search Warriors for Freedom if you want to get involved, and I encourage you to Please do. Coming up in Louisiana and Baton Rouge specifically, Warriors Weekend. It'll be a three-day event that you will be hearing a lot more about here on the Clay Young Show. Warriors for Freedom, there is a Louisiana chapter. I volunteer with that chapter as a member of the board, and we're all about it. Raising awareness and raising hope and trying to help our military heroes, the men and women who defend us on a daily basis. Warriors for Freedom. Check it out. If you are interested in getting getting involved, I think you should. Warriors for Freedom. All right. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe on iTunes to the show. That way you're always in the know anytime anything new pops up for The Clay Young Show on Podcast 225. And uh, I think that's it. Up next, our conversation with Lionel Rainey with the city of St. George. And then part two of our conversation with former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff Leduff right here on the Clay Young Show. Clay Young and John Fabry here for Infinity of Baton Rouge and Infinity of Lafayette. I know you all know about the great selection of new cars and SUVs, but the pre-owned selection is equally impressive. Always. Pre-owned is is a huge part of our business. We actually sell as many pre-owns as we do new. Mm -hmm. We we always get great trade-ins. We have a great selection. Uh, We keep 
always at least just in Baton Rouge over 180, and in, right. in Lafayette we have another hundred to select from. So again, whether you're looking for inexpensive mid-range CPOs, a certified pre-owned yeah. Infinities, uh, SUVs, trucks, small cars, mid-size, you name it, we have it. So if you're in the find yourself in the market for a pre-owned car. Come check us out. We can help with financing as well. In Lafayette, it's infinitylaf.com. And in Baton Rouge, it's infinitybr.com for Infinity of Baton Rouge and Infinity of Lafayette. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. All right, welcome back. We're talking with Lionel Rainey now, who is the spokesman for the City of St. George movement. I've known Lionel for likely about 10 years. Almost. Uh, is it almost? Almost, or maybe a little more. Yeah. I think it's a little longer than that. Uh, we met when you were still working in Clear Channel. Ace, account executive <laughs> over there. Uh, the man could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. He, he was like that. Thank you. And he's working with St. George. There is a lot about this movement that has been talked about a lot of misconceptions, some things that may not be understood and some hurt feelings on both sides about this. And so let's start at the beginning, Lionel. Let's, let's begin the timeline with where this started. You know, this, this specific movement really started three years ago when you had a group of parents and community leaders that live in the Southern portion of the parish who came together and said that, you know, look, our schools are failing. People are leaving. Their children, their grandchildren aren't staying here. They're, they're moving to Ascension Parish or Livingston Parish or, or to Atlanta or to Texas. And they decided to take responsibility for the school systems and to stand up and, and say that we can do better and we will do better give us a shot and that started two years at the legislature the move to create a independent school district in the southern portion of the parish similar to uh, the independent school districts in texas um, it went through the legislature for two years it almost passed the first year less than a handful of votes short the second year and not to get into the minutiae of it but there are two basic elements of it one is to create the school district itself to physically create it. The other was to allow Bessie to fund it through the MFP. That requires a constitutional amendment, which requires right. two-thirds from, from uh, the Senate and two-thirds from the, from the House, right. and then a statewide vote. Right. Uh, well, those two things were split the second year. They were together the first year. The school district is created. The governor signed it into existence. What you're, you're familiar with is the wedge Right. It's there. It's just not funded through the MFP. We couldn't pass a constitutional amendment. The funny thing is, during that process, many who are speak against us now say, we, you know, you're not like Zachary. This isn't like Central. You're not a city. If you want to do this, you need to go become a city. Who was the first person or where was the first place y- y'all were told that? Uh, the first time we were told that was, golly, I believe it was in... It could have been Senate Education or Senate Finance was the first Thought time. Thought it was, yeah. I th- that was the first time we were told that. And so what happened is we went back and started looking at the feasibility of creating a city 
where one currently does not exist to see if that was something that was even possible, mm-hmm. that, that whether or not it could financially sustain, sustain itself and, and whether or not it would negatively impact uh, the parish or the city of Baton Rouge. And it was at that time we started really going through and examining the, the East Baton Rouge uh, parish and city of Baton Rouge budget that we were able to find out that the city of Baton Rouge for nearly 20 years has been sweeping local tax dollars that are generated outside of the city of Baton Rouge in the southern portion of the parish uh, to the tune of around $50 million a year, nearly half a billion dollars uh, over the course of the, uh, the last 20 years. And that's when we started looking at, okay, well, what are other models of government, government that we could institute that would actually save money, that would be responsible with the, the taxes that the people pay. That's when we came across the city of Sandy Springs, Georgia, a city that, that basically contracted out all of their city services, uh, a city that is, so, is one of the most flush cities right now in, uh, in Georgia. It's right outside of Atlanta. It took them 20 years to do it. Uh, they run a massive surplus. And is anybody, any economist or, or anybody who looks at local government will tell you when you move away from city employees and you move to contracted work, you're going to save around 40% on day one just with, just with your extended legacy costs and the benefits, retirement benefits that you pay. But in addition to that, you can actually hold people accountable. So you can hold the people doing the work accountable. So we went in, we started running budgets, and we were able to see that not only could we operate we could operate with a surplus. And that's when we put out our first budget and said, look, here's what we're going to do. They wouldn't let us have an independent school district. So now we're going to look at what it would take to incorporate the southern portion of the parish and to create a city where one does not exist. And that movement started a little over a year ago. And now we are, we're here today waiting on the registrar of voters to come back and tell us if we need to gather any more signatures or not. So that takes us from the beginning to where we are now. City officials in Baton Rouge, business owners, uh, quote unquote, community leaders have come out against this together. Baton Rouge, uh, the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, as I understand it, is not taking a concrete position, but they've they've funded a couple of the studies that have been used against uh, the breakaway city. So let's start. It's not a breakaway city. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry, the the incorporation of the unincorporated and that, you know, that, areas. And that's one of the, the, the yeah. big sticking points. That, you sure. know, the, the people have branded this as, you know, a breakaway or a right. secession. And that's well, just technically fa- it's not that. It's, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, right. it's technically the, the sure. exact opposite of right. that. You're creating yeah. something where something does not exist. Baton Rouge has never wanted this the southern portion of the But parish. how can you say Baton Rouge has never wanted this? The, because the, they would have incorporated it. Hmm. They've never wanted the Mall of Louisiana until now. They never wanted the casino until now. Right. They've never incorporated it before because that means they have to provide services there. So there's so many things to, to deal with. Let's start first with the school system. I think we can agree that that, is, that has been one of the, the bigger sticking points between the Ascension, Livingston, EBR triangle. Uh, Livingston has seen growth largely contributed you know, uh, based upon their school system, same as in Ascension, uh, same thing with Zachary and Central and all of the growth out there because of the school system. There are people here who say if the southeast part of the parish 
creates its own city and its own school district, it's going to leave Baton Rouge kind of in the middle of nowhere in a disaster situation. What's your response to that? Tell me, give me some statistics to prove that. Is it money? They already spend more money than every other school system in the state of Louisiana. You know, they spend over $12,000 per year per child. Is it facilities? No, I mean, they will, the money that, the revenue that they lose from the children that won't be in East Baton Rouge Parish School System, they, they also don't have uh, that liability anymore. So you, you have to equate that. And then in, a, in addition to that, um, it will be slightly, they'll have a slightly higher percentage, about a 2% higher percentage of uh, free and reduced lunch. So they will get slightly more money. So the city of the East Baton Rouge Parish School System will actually have more money and will be a little bit smaller and have the ability to, to hopefully make some, some lasting changes and some significant changes. So I, I just don't see, and, and nobody can come without just pure blatant rhetoric as to tell me why is it going to, to be so bad? What, what, what will happen to cause it to, be, to implode on itself? What about the, the, the argument that you're hearing from parents on your side? And then, of course, you're hearing from people connected to the school system who say, and, and we'll get to the racial part of this. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that because there's so many other things to get to, but I'm going to get to it. But the parents on your side, what's the key argument? They just want some help. You know, this area, they, they, the opposition calls it rich, and they say, they, they say rich white. That's what they say. I mean, it leads half the headline. Rich right. white people want to secede from poor black Baton Rouge. That's what they say. This is the people who live in the southern portion of the parish are the literal definition of middle income families. Ninety thousand dollars combined household income that means that the husband makes forty five, wife makes forty five thousand dollars. They can't afford to send their child to a private school. And if there's they, some it, wealthier houses out in southeast Baton Rouge, well, there's some wealthier houses in anywhere wealthier you go. Subdivisions, oh, well, of yeah. course, are but the, yeah. the average household income is ninety thousand okay. dollars. So that's the average. Okay. That's what the typical person looks like. And for them to have the ability to send their child to a public to a to a private school or to any school mm-hmm. where, where they're going to be educated outside of the magnet schools and, and the the gifted and talented programs. Um, They've got to go take a second job. They have to go get a second mortgage. Or they pick up and leave. If you look at the study the University of Wisconsin did, they'll show you the outward migration of families that are leaving East Baton Rouge Parish. And, and going to Livingston and, and going Ascension. to Livingston and Ascension. They're yeah. not they're not leaving spreading out sure. across the country. Right. And there's only one definite you know, the East Baton Rouge Parish school system is the economic engine for the the Ascension Parish and Livingston Parish. Right. You know, people are living, and they just want some help. They want what's best for their children like everybody else does, and they're doing what, what government tells you to do. Stand up, stand up and take responsibility. Be accountable. They're doing that. They want better for their children. That doesn't mean they don't want better for, for, for somebody else's child, or they don't care. that doesn't mean they don't care about the city of Baton Rouge. But at what point did it become a bad thing to want to stand up and say, you know what, These are my, this is my tax revenue, this is where I live, this is my child, and I want better for my family and myself. What about the argument you're hearing from city officials, from the mayor, uh, the chief administrative officer, members of the council? And, and specifically, let's go to the, the council, John Delgado. Uh, compared the, the 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 group that is pushing the city of St. George to the Taliban. Now, I personally don't think that we need to be making these kind of comparisons. 
there's this, comparisons. This, you know now, what for, I mean? First of all, he didn't compare us to. He called us the yeah. Baton Rouge Taliban. Yeah. He called us terrorists. Not one. You know the 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 mayor. And he should remember that he's the mayor president, mm-hmm. not just the mayor. But the mayor, you know, he, he compared us to a nursery rhyme. That's that's the problem, Clay. That they haven't even acknowledged that people in the southern portion of, of of this parish have legitimate concerns. They make fun of them, they laugh at them, they ridicule them, they mock them, they call them terrorists. They call, them, they call them the Taliban. They call them racist. They, 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 they call them privileged. And, you know, you, you can only do that for so long before the people say, you know what, I've had enough. And we've had enough of you. We've had enough of, of being looked down on and made fun of and taken advantage of. And that's how they feel. And they can go in, in the paper and they can, they can make fun of these people. They can, they can make jokes about them. They can laugh at them. They can call them terrorists. They can do whatever they want. But these people will have the opportunity to go to a ballot box and to cast their vote. Have y'all had conversations? Have there? I was a part of a town hall. You were there. We did, I guess, a year before last. Mm-hmm. And there were city officials. You, Norman Browning, y'all were there. And we had a pretty civil discussion about this mm-hmm. thing. One of the more civil that that I had ever seen. Have y'all had closed door meetings with city officials where you could talk through what was going on, make your point clear, make their point clear? Did that ever happen? It happened. It happened twice. Okay. Uh, we. Without getting into the details of that, we, we came with this was a while ago with with some concessions and sure. and and, and uh, specific uh, issues that we would like addressed, but mm-hmm. but trying to find a middle ground, and, and they and they said no to everything, um, and, and at that point we knew that that it was that that was pointless to 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 try that route anymore. We tried for two years. For a concession at the legislature, yeah. they just wanted an independent school district. They just wanted the the chance to to run their own school system and to do better. I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but the ten schools. I'm just give you an idea. The ten schools that that are that are in St. George, and or what would would be the wedge. Over the last two years, they've had six with just one high school, just one. They've had over six hundred calls to the sheriff's department oh, no, for I know assistance. About that. That, sheriff's that, a friend of mine. I know about that. That means that yeah. the sheriff's officer that was at those schools was overrun and couldn't yeah. handle the situation. Yeah. And over 250 arrests. I mean, yeah. the, the schools are out of control. That public education outside. But how does breaking away change that? Because you have the opportunity to do it differently. You have the opportunity to start over. Anytime you have the, op- the, the, the chance to stop what you're doing, sure. start fresh. One of the, the simple ways is, is to start giving some power and accountability to, to, the, to the administrators and the principals and the teachers. That, that's, that's not done right now. Talk about the cultural part of this. Okay. okay? And, you know, you're a straight shooter, I'm a straight shooter. In households where there are two parents, a child is more, more likely to perform better at school and is less likely to be a problem child in the school. We know children are children. They get into trouble from time to time. Sometimes they struggle. But in a two-parent household, you're less likely to have some of those same troubles. And some of the inner-city communities where there is a single mother or grandmother raising kids, these children have, through no fault of their own, circumstances that lead to a lot of this. Now, you know me. 
I'm not a bleeding heart. But when you look at the cultural differences here, there are some people who make that argument, whether valid or not. They're making that argument argument to you. What happens if you just put all of these kids in the inner city, pull them out and put them over here? You know, what do you say to that argument? Because I know you all have heard it. Well, you know, the first thing the first thing that I'll say to that is for these, you know, these children that, that are in single family homes. Sure. Uh, and these these children that, that don't come from much and, and, and you know normally have one person. A, a mother or a father or a grandparent who's who's providing and working for them. How does it benefit that child to get up at around four thirty in the morning? I don't disagree with you. Go get on a bus, travel yeah. for an hour to a transfer station, yeah. then get on another bus, and then travel for another hour yeah. to another transfer station where that parent's working across the town. Why? Right. Can, wh- right. Why? You you're telling yeah. me that, that that parent and that child wouldn't sure. couldn't be better served regardless of the color of their skin. Sure. But in in a, in a neighborhood where the, the the mother or father or grandparent or or, or guardian can easily interact, mm-hmm. can 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 know the teachers, can know where the child goes to school, can can know the people that the child goes to school with, can can go pick them up. Sure. Or, or get involved in, in athletics. How how does that hurt another child? And and what's what's shocking is that it, it it's for some who are opposed to this, people in for people in the southern portion of the parish to want better for their family. And d- it's not all lily white in, in, no. in, in St. No, George either. You know, it's, <laughs> no. it's, it's, right. it's it's you know it's over thirty percent African American yeah. as well, yeah. which includes Gardier. Yeah. And let me tell you, they went and incorporated the casino in a purely political move during this process, and they literally had to go around Gardier. Tell me how much they care about them. Did we, we didn't have to cut anybody in. We didn't have to cut anybody out. But we wanted everyone who was in the southern portion of the parish, regardless of your skin color, regardless of how much money you make, everybody to have the opportunity to go to a good school system. Race doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. You know, this could be the first lifeline that's been thrown to Gardier. And yet we're the bad guys. What about the city of St. George if it happens? Goes to the people, the vote happens. How do you, how do you guarantee to the citizens who have businesses and have homes in, the, in, in what would be the new city that you're not going to raise taxes? You know, all you have to do is look at the budget and look at the numbers. There's no reason taxes should go up. No reason. Take, taxes, talk me through it. Well, there's no reason taxes should go up. Go and look at the services that we laid out. Go look at our yeah. budget. Go look at the services that we sure. lay out. Go look at the revenue that we would take in. And we have a surplus. And it, what's funny is our opposition has funded two studies. Their first study, they somewhat agreed with us. And they said, you, you've got so much money that you're going to break the parish. You're, you're, you're too rich. There's too much tax revenue generated out there. They ran polls and saw, well, that doesn't move the, the needle out there. Well, let's poll and see what happens if taxes go up. Well, of course, if you run a poll and say if taxes go up, do you want St. George? Of course people are going to say no. So their next study said the exact opposite. It said we're so broke, we're going to have to raise taxes. Right. So what we did was we went and put together a rebuttal to that second study, and we challenged them in every form of media, in every interview that was done, tell us where we're wrong in our rebuttal. And but tell, us, budget, tell us where we're wrong. And, yeah. and, they, and they have not been able to. So what we've done now is we've gone and we have, and, and this will be the first time I've, we've announced this, but we are, we're in the process of working with uh, uh, an economist 
and 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 a, a group that can come in and that deals with uh, municipal um, uh, cities or, or deals with uh, finances and and city government and they're going to take a look and put out a report to show you exactly where they were wrong in their last uh, in the last report that they did and to show from somebody outside of just us and, and a, a, you know a reputable um, a reputable company to say, look, taxes, there's no reason taxes should go up. Your initial forecast had in, in it, of course, the casino and the other huge retail centers that were a part of what would be St. George. Subsequently, those things have been removed because the city has come and, and incorporated or, or uh, 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 the word escapes me now. Um, annexed. Annexed, thank you. Uh, the casino and parts of the mall into the city of Baton Rouge. So subsequent budgets, I'm assuming, reconcile the fact that that has happened. Yeah, they, they, they absolutely do. So how can your numbers be the same losing those retail centers? The numbers aren't the same, but we still show a surplus of tax revenue. So it's not as much tax revenue, but we still show a surplus. And also know Every the 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 area that would be St. George pays for 100 percent of all of the the constitutional offices mm -hmm. in the parish and all the offices that require that are required by law. And you're gonna have and, to build a city hall. You're gonna have to put some buildings up in the city. But you know what? We don't we don't have to go build the you know a Taj Mahal. Right. You know, we we you you can operate in in a more economic uh, economically responsible responsible way but we also can start taking a look and seeing what are the things that we have to pay for you know now that you've taken the revenue from the mall of louisiana from just the center mall and now that you've taken the revenue from uh from the casino which is not as as large of a percentage as people think it is once you take that now we can go back and take a look and say well you know maybe we need to pay our fair share of the uh offices required by law you know what we're not going to do is leave out constitutionally funded offices like the like the coroner um, and, and like the district attorney right. and you know the 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 judicial district courts. We're not going to to leave them out. We're going to make sure that they're continually funded. But there are options on the table. What about legacy costs and the big debate over that? You know about the city saying you guys shouldn't get away with not having to cover that. What's your response I don't think, to that? I don't. First of all, I don't. I don't think people understand you know, what legacy costs actually is, you know, what you're basically talking about is, uh, insurance, right. You know, it mm -hmm. is insurance costs. Uh, let the, we'll, we were, we factor that into our budget, like everything else. Sure. We're not going to pay for it forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we factored it in with a, uh, with a tapering off effect and it, it's how right long? There. tapering it's off and how long 10 years, you know, to be able to, to really, to, 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 to slide off of it. Uh, and to be able to pay, and, but people can can go and visit and see all of these details, uh, you know, in black and white on St. George. If they go to stgeorgelouisiana.com. What about uh, schools? You're going to have to put up school buildings. What do you do in the interim there? I mean, that's that's you know that's funny. <laughs> that's one of the the arguments against us is is you you don't have capacity. You 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 don't have enough school buildings. Well, first of all, why are there no public schools? on the west side of the interstate. Okay. Why is the only public school that's near Gardier, why did it just get turned into a magnet school? Can anybody answer that? No, they can't. And you can put up a temporary building. Mm -hmm. You can find spaces that are available for rent while you build school buildings. 
It's not about the brick and mortar. It's about what's happening inside that building but and what's ha- happening with that, with on, that but, teacher but, but, and but child. But have you, have you demonstrated to, the, to, to people who are with you, who support you, okay, if on 1 November 2015 – we are there's a vote just pulling a date out of the sky and we're going to begin officially uh, accepting tax revenue on this date. Here is where the kids are going to go starting school year, whatever. I mean, have you laid that all out? Because I've not seen that anywhere. We've laid out projections, but you don't know what that's going to look like until day one. We know that what the maximum it could be. Okay. And and we know that, that we that the revenue that's generated, the tax revenue that's generated that goes to schools, the local ad florum taxes and the millages that go to school there's more than enough money. We know that that's not a problem. We know that there is more than enough money, and you can go and look at St. George, Louisiana, and look at sure. that and see that as well. But what they'll say is, so they, they haven't argued that the finances aren't, aren't there to be able to, to build schools. They haven't argued that the finances uh, aren't there to, to, to sustain a school system. What they argue is that there's not enough capacity. And you're going to, to you know put children in tents, which is just ludicrous. And you should know that our opposition is incredibly loud, but it's not nearly as big as people think. It, it really isn't. And, you know, it's primarily made up of uh, parents with children that reside within the magnet programs and, and, not, e- and not even the majority of parents. What about the city we, officials? We've got – we'll talk about them in a second. <laughs> not, not even the majority of, of parents whose children are in the magnet programs. And don't get me wrong, the magnet schools are outstanding. Yes, they are. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt that they're outstanding uh, but what about everybody else? That's right. And, you know, over half of the public schools in East Baton Rouge Parish public school system are now uh, underperforming or a failing school. When you take the magnet schools out, it jumps into the 80 percentile. So they've already got a separate school district. They've already got their own school district. And it's for the people who are lucky enough to hit the lottery to get into the magnet program. And everybody else, you're better the way you are. What about um, what about this going forward, Lionel? Do you do you want to handicap what you think the chances are? Signatures are going to come back. We should be getting close to getting an up or down on that soon, you, right? By the time this by the time this you know goes, this is airing Thursday, Thursday morning. We it's, may it's we may Thursday. have that number then. You know, we wanted to turn the signatures in with twenty thousand signatures just because we knew with human error, sure, and uh, and looked at national percentages of of. Uh, petitions that what the the fail rate could be or the Mm -hmm. inaccuracy rate Uh, we were forced to do that because of actions purely political actions uh, from the city council and the city of baton rouge in regards to annex annexations of of the mall in louisiana which still are questions to the legality of it Um, so because of those actions we were forced to turn it in around eighteen thousand instead of twenty thousand in the interim we've been collecting signatures we're collecting signatures every single day we'll bring a we'll bring a petition to your house you can go to stgeorgelouisiana.com and you can click to make a phone call you can send us an email or you can fill out a form and a and a volunteer will literally bring a petition to your house so we feel confident that we'll be able to get State law will give us 60 days if we're sure. short. We feel confident that we'll be able to, to have a surplus going in. I got about uh, got about three and a half minutes here quickly. One, this thing passes or the signatures are greenlit, goes to the ballot. Let's say it passes. There are going to be lawsuits coming out of the yin-yang about this. What about that? And I'll tell you this, for the, you know, this will be the first time we said this. We are actively engaged with, uh, with a law firm who's, who is who's willing to stand up 
for the citizens in the southern portion of the parish for their right to vote and for their right to, to vote to be heard. Um, we think, you know, I, I don't know how many lawsuits that, that they'll throw at us. They're going to try to stop it from going to a ballot. And just stop and think about that. And, and even if you're not in favor of this, I want you to think about that for a second, what that means for your city government to take your tax dollars and to sue you to stop you from being able to vote because they don't like what you want to vote on. I mean, think about that. What if the shoe's on the other foot? What if the makeup of the Metro Council changes and all of a sudden they're, they don't like something that you're in favor of and they'll sue you to stop you from having the right to vote? That's absurd. The, to me, the definition and one of the cornerstones of democracy is the, for the people to have the ability to petition their government to put a measure on a ballot and go vote on it. And just that simple right, you know, the, the, they believe that they can sue and, and prevent people from voting? Personally, you know, I, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, I've known you for a very long time. Uh, what about the, the personal threats? <laughs> I mean that that just that, that's just part of it. You know, you know there are non-stable people in every what kind of walk threats? of life. I mean they're 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 consistent. They're consistent. We, we we've had threats. You know, against, death threats. Yeah. I mean it. Yeah. But uh, that's you not, regret it at all? Not not one not one second. I didn't I didn't I had no comprehension of what I was getting into. Now you're doing this. You're not being paid to not, do this. Not a penny, pro bono. Why? Because I want my child to be proud of me. Yeah. Yeah, he's new daddy coming yeah. up here. And you know these kids deserve more than they get, and uh, they need somebody to stand up for them. And that's reason enough. Do you think this is a legacy thing for you and Browning and Mac White, Bodie, and, and everybody involved in this? Man, I think it's a legacy thing for, for everyone. I think that, that we're going to be able to change the lives of hundreds of thousands of children um, over, the, over the course of decades. I think that what... Other people will see what we're doing and realize they can do it too. Um, that's just, you, that, that, you, mean, that means that means the city of Baton Rouge yeah. as well. As you, you you talk about this, you're passionate. You I mean you're tearing up, man. You're so <laughs> you filled with emotion about this. And then there are people who say this is just all about race. That th that this is all about power. That this really isn't about making anything better for anyone. They're and, they're intellectually lazy and they're it's, they're a coward. Yeah, because they can't argue it on its merits. So they, they'll say I'm racist. <laughs> you know, well, I, here's the thing. You're not a racist. Like I said, I've known you for a long time. <laughs> no You're joke. not a racist. You're a hardhead, and there are a lot of other adjectives I could use to right. describe you. You are from Alabama, but I mean, <laughs> you're not a racist. <laughs> no, and, and, and that's, you know, that's not the heart of yeah. the people who are behind this. You know, they're... But have you had any of that? Have you had anybody? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So people on that side, mm -hmm. okay, you've had people that you've, have you had people you've had to talk to about comments that are steeped in race and, and racism? I have. On your side? I have. And tell us about that. Uh, How often does that happen? 
What specifically? Well, just comments that are racial. From coming from our side? Yeah. I mean, that's it's it's rare. I mean, there have been maybe maybe and to be honest with you, I mean, less than a handful of times over the course of the last 3 years that some random supporter has said something that I thought was was inappropriate. What do you do? I check them. <laughs> okay, you but exp- well, I mean, I tell them that, to well, our non-hip listeners. Tell them what that I means mean, that you well, check them. I mean, I tell them to take it somewhere else. Right. You know, that's not what this movement's about. This movement has nothing to do with the race. We don't want. I don't want somebody who's motivated by the color of somebody's skin to have anything whatsoever to do with this. I don't, and I and I tell you that now. But I, I mean, I can't control the way people think. Sure. I shouldn't be able to control the way people think, and I'm, I'm sure that there are you know there are people who 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 dislike me. For the color of my skin, and so there, but that's not going to be a part of this group. Yeah, and to the the best of my, but it, but that's not the, that's not who these people are. That's, I, I think that's we not both, their heart. I think we both agree, sincerely, that children, all children, deserve the best opportunity to win at life that we can give them. One hundred percent. So how did we end up here? How did because we end up here that we we're even that you're having to do this, that we're having to talk about this and we're, we're over time. That'll be my last question. How did we end up here? Because children aren't the priority of the East Baton Rouge Parish public school system or the powers that be anymore. They're just not. And if they are, if they say they are, they're being intellectually dishonest. I'll tell you this through the course of over three years at the legislature, not one traditional public school parent, came in and testified and said, we like the schools just the way they are. Things are fine. Don't do this. But countless parents and countless children came in and begged the legislature to give them an opportunity. And I get email after email after phone call after phone call from parents and from teachers and from grandparents that say, do not stop. Please do not stop. And, and so we won't. And all we asked for, and what's funny is our story's never changed. Their story changes daily. But ours has never changed, and all that we ask is that the people be given their right to go to the polls and cast an up or down vote on whether or not to create an independent school district and to create the city of St. George and to be given a chance to do better. Again, how can people reach you uh, or, or learn so, yeah, more so about they, what St. George is doing? They can go to stgeorgelouisiana.com. That's stgeorgelouisiana.com. They can also find us on a very active Facebook page. Uh, um, they can search. Yeah, search, just a little they bit. They can search St. George. But we don't feel, you know, we don't feel. We, no, you don't. We don't. We let every everybody come uh, on and talk. That's not your speed. You're not a, uh, you're not a nah, filter guy. Uh, we're not. We, we let everybody come on and talk. They can search us on, on Facebook or go to facebook.com forward slash S-E-B-R schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also find us uh, on Twitter at, at St. George Inc. Congratulations on the new kid, man. Thanks, brother. Lionel Rainey, spokesperson for the city of St. George. Up next, our conversation, part two of our conversation with former Baton Rouge Police Chief Jeff Leduff right here on podcast 225.com and on iTunes. 
Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. Let's talk about termites. Oh, yeah. With the warmer weather moving in, if you're seeing little winged critters flying around your house, that's usually an indication that you've got a subterranean infestation somewhere. So the thing you want to do is to, one, look around the bottom of the slab to see if you find the tunnels. If you find the tunnels, then you need to come see us because we carry the exact same products that the professionals use. And applying those products in a trench will generally give you protection for up to 12 to 14 years. Now's the time to start thinking about it. How can they find you? Well, our Metairie store is located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill in Covington. We're located at 1417 North Causeway. That's in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams. On uh, the West Bank, we're on the Palco just before the Harvey Bridge and in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. Treat your home and lawn with the products available at Pest Stop. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Chief LaDuff is back. Chief, last week we talked about Katrina. We ended our discussion with what was going on at that time. I want to begin by asking you, what was your biggest mistake during Hurricane Katrina? Well, it's good to be back, Clay. And uh, let me tell you this. I had two. Okay. Uh, The first one was I didn't give my people a day off for nearly 27 days. Wow. Uh, I should never have done that. I, I like to kill them. What, and that was because so much was going so on? So much was yeah. going on. Uh, we went into a rotation, and that rotation just stayed and stayed and stayed. And, uh, you know. But isn't that a part of the job? It I, is. I don't mean to be callous cause, no. uh, because I'm, I'm not a law enforcement uh, officer, but in a situation like this, you, I. I get that you're not thinking a whole lot about down, downtime and right. off. But you have to think about the well-being of your people. Sure. Uh, the things that they saw, yeah. the things that they were experiencing. Um, they needed some time for themselves. you got to remember, we had some damage here, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, we, we had, if you didn't have damage, you had a house full of people. Yeah. Every zip code in Baton Rouge was bigger than the zip code was the day before. No Katrina. question. I had 15 people in my house. Yeah. And I didn't, I did not see them literally for days. I, I mean, I, I didn't see my wife. I, I left home with a bag with, you know, as they say, put some underwear, toothbrush, and, you know, <laughs> grab Socks a uniform. and drawers. Yeah, That's right. let's go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was taking a bath and uh, showering in my office. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, at the academy. So, it was uh, it was tough. That was one mistake. Okay. And then the other mistake is I forgot one of my guys. Mm. Remember uh, last time we were together, we talked about the shooting of my three officers. Yes. Well, one of them had been uh, severely injured yeah. with a shot to the head. Yes. And he was transferred to New Orleans, Turo, I think it was, mm-hmm. who could help him better than the hospitals here in Baton Rouge. He and his wife uh, had been transferred down there. And they were there when the city was being evacuated. Wow. It left me. It left me. It was, it, it was gone. And I've apologized to him. And I'll never forgive myself for forgetting to go get Dennis. His father called me. It was a busy day, and uh, doing all of this, I'd given Mr. Smith my phone number, and I told him if he ever needed anything, call me. So he did, and he was so calm. 
I mean, this was a long time ago, but I remember the conversation, I could quote it. I remember him calling and he said, Chief, uh, this is Dennis's father. I said, Mr. Smith, how are you? So I act like nothing was going on. You know, I was busy, man. People were, at, we were all just inundated at the time. And he said, I need a favor. You told me I could call you. I said, what's the favor? He said, can you help me get my son home? And it's like, oh, I, yeah, it hit you then, right? Man, I'm like, God, I forgot Dennis. How do you forget one of your men, man? Yeah. I'll never forgive myself for that. Never. And then what What'd you do? We went and got him. Yeah. We went and got him. They were going to separate his. he and his wife. They were going to, you know, tell his, his wife that we we're going to move Dennis to another another facility in some other state. And they were going to take Dennis, Dennis's wife and send her to the Superdome. And I, no, man, we we sent the Calvary. Right. Calvary went get Dennis. Bring him home. Well, he came home. Yes, sir. So now we talked last week about what was going on during Katrina. And, and of course, you're talking about this now. What about the the criminal element? Baton Rouge wasn't nearly as violent as people. Well, let me say that a different way. People were overreacting, in my opinion, when folks from New Orleans were, were here in the city. Right. Everybody from New Orleans is not a criminal. No. We got a lot of gain from that. Heck yeah. Man. We, business, econ, economic, right. people moved up here, stayed Good here, people. helped Baton Rouge in, in many yeah. ways. However, there is a criminal element in right. the city of New Orleans that right. did come to Baton Rouge, and they conducted Ph.D. classes on right. how to be criminals. I think one of the things that I saw was okay. before Katrina, um, and you got to remember, they, they kind of infused together. Mm-hmm. It didn't start off so well. Uh, I remember uh, there was a, a shooting right out the gate uh, in, the, in the eastern part of the city uh, going toward the Livingston Parish line in a subdivision. Some people from New Orleans had come in, and you know they coming into an area that there was a known drug dealer. And uh, the guys from New Orleans tried to sell some some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were in his area, and, and there was a shooting, and the guy from New Orleans was killed. So we, we add into our murder rate now. Yeah. And uh, that was a problem. And I remember sending my SWAT team out there. And I told them, I said, uh, guys, this is the problem. Go out there, let's settle it. Get them together. So I remember uh, the next morning I wanted an, an update. We were meeting daily on, on everything. And I remember my, my SWAT commanders came in, and when one of the sergeants walked by me, he said, uh, 28 to 14. So I'm like, huh? He said, 28 to 14, Chief. I said, 28 New Orleans people arrested, 14 Baton Rouge, 14 New Orleans. I said, are you telling me arrest numbers? He said, no. He said, I'm telling you the, the score in the game. I said, what game? He said, the football game between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. He said, we left the other guys out there. They were in charge of the football game. He said, we got that place down. No more killing. We playing football. The score is 28-14. So, you know, they are going out there and, wow. and, and, and squashed it. So I said, get out. Go back to the game. Right, right, right. Go to another community and start another game. <laughs> that's right, that's so right. uh, they, uh, they took care of it. And uh, But I think the thing that was learned from – New Orleans criminals, that their methodology was different in that they didn't believe in leaving witnesses. Mm. 
they didn't believe in leaving witnesses. They, their, their methodology and their criminology said, take everybody. And we started seeing some of that manifest itself into Baton Rouge. You gotta realize that when we dealt with people from New Orleans who were criminals for a while, there was no intel to gain out of New Orleans. They had to rebuild. Yeah. That stuff was underwater. So they had a little while where they could operate how they wanted to because we didn't know gang affiliation or group affiliation or you know true background. You can call down to New Orleans and that's, you know my detective will call a detective there and vice versa. Sure. That's just the way law enforcement works. And get the, the skinny, as people say, mm -hmm. on, on what's going on. Uh, we, we noticed that with belt buckles being worn and, and tips of braids, uh, different colors, um, and that signified different things. We had to learn that the hard way until they stood back up and they were able to tell us, yeah, man, let me tell you, the dudes with the little blind hair on the end of their braids, they belong to, to this section of New Orleans, and they don't get along with the guys with the cowboy belts, you know? So uh, we had to find all of that out ourselves. But I do think that the, the one thing I recognized and that we saw as a department was our criminals learned that it's advantageous not to leave hmm. witnesses. And that goes on here now. Yeah, it does. It happened. So you are the police chief. And over the course of a three or four day period, um, I'm going to save that because that's a great story. Personal tragedy in your family. Something happened in the city. And, and you're dealing with all these things at one time. Before we get to that, let's talk about Gustav. Gustav, Gustav was worse for Baton Rouge than Katrina was. Yeah, we were dark. The lights went out. Yeah, seven days at my house. Well, uh, 13 at my house. Oh, night. man. And, I, you know, I, I thought Intergy would have took care of the chief <laughs> Please, of police. Geez. That's sad, man. We need to call somebody. <laughs> Man. It's Sandy asking. Yeah, Sandy said, "Don't I thought you had some yeah, pool, I you man?" Had some pool. I, I'm standing next to the entity guy every day, and I'm like, "Today, man, no." You can flash a badge at him at all, Jeff. No, man. He, he he would look at me every morning and say, "His name was Jeff, a good friend." And I remember it became such a thing that the first thing I asked Jeff in the morning, I, I start walking to him. He, he start shaking his head. Going Not today. Not today. He kept telling me it's gonna be a while on your place. We we had a bad mess out uh, where I lived. Uh, but you got to remember now, before Gustav, as a young man named uh, Chris Metternich, you yes. got to realize before both of those yeah. major events, my goodness, man, I lost a police officer leading into him. Wow. Before Katrina, days before Katrina, it was Terry, Neil, and Dennis. Yeah. Just before Gustav, it was Chris, Chris Metternich yeah. who was killed in the it line of duty. Motorcycle patrolman. That's right. What what was the story with him uh, again? Uh, DWI turned left in front of him. Yeah. Early in the morning. Yes. On Sherwood. Was yeah, it on Sherwood? Sherwood? Yeah. yeah. At Newcastle. Yeah. So, wow. This happens. Mm -hmm. Tell us. Talk about that. Yeah, man. Uh, good kid. Yeah. Um, new father. New husband. His father. He's a second generation policeman. Mm -hmm. um, he worked at LSU. And we met because I used to teach them, too. Yeah. And uh, he just, you know, we, we grew a relationship, and I helped pull him to the Baton Rouge Police Department. Uh, knew his father well. His father was one of our supervisors. 
out of the second district. Uh, his mother worked at a bank. We knew her. Yeah. Uh, so this kid, all he wanted to do was uh, ride a motorcycle. Another you. Man, good kid, good rider. And uh, this lady, early in the morning, um, turned left in front of him. You know, as I watch you talk about these these stories, I, I still see how fresh this right is there. on you, man. Never go nowhere. Yeah. Man, I love those guys. Yeah. I, I, you know, let me tell you something. What people don't know, every death, because I went to just about every homicide scene, not just my guys, yeah. but every death in this city you wear, I can tell you names, you know, you just, you just never let them go. They, they, if I could do one thing, if there was a magic pill that I could take to get all those faces, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, the church shooting that Sunday evening. My goodness. You know, the, uh, this was, was, it, was it Sunday evening? It was a Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. Midday. Yeah, yeah, midday. Yeah, yeah. Man, I could remember... <laughs> Uh, having attended church here, and I went to see my relatives. I went by one of my relatives in New Roads uh, uh, because somebody said something about fried catfish, and I just remembered being on the I-10 bridge. I don't even know. I, but but, but I, I sit down in the living room, and I turn on Fox, uh, and Fox on News, and you're TV. on Fox yeah, News. Man. Well, that's Jeff LaDuff. Yeah. And so there was a shooting with uh, a young man who, who had an issue with his, was his wife? His was it his wife? wife. Or, yeah. And, and goes into the church, and he shoots her and her mother, who pastors the church, correct? Right, yeah. And then he takes one of the kids, didn't he? Right. He shot, he, he killed five people. <sighs> he, he eradicated a large portion of that family. And then he takes his wife and, uh, and, and the youngest of their three children. And we, we have this massive hunt that's going on because we, we fully believe that we're going to find all three of them dead mm. at that point, you know, a murder-suicide. And uh, why he chose that child, you know, why did he leave with his estranged wife? Yeah. You know, it's just a recipe that you have to hurry up and find him. And we did. We found him. Um, and we started this pursuit that ended up in this apartment complex. And, uh, and, and I remember we were making our way to the car. We heard this shot. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't know who was shot. We didn't know who got shot. And uh, I remember him coming out the car with the baby. And uh, I grabbed the baby. The baby got to me. Somebody grabbed the baby from him. And then we got the baby. And all I could think about was getting this kid to safety. Did you get you got caught? You not caught. They they did catch it on camera. You holding the yeah. baby. I think I saw that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you're prepared. How not that you really prepare you for for things like that. I I would imagine y'all are trained for almost every inevitability, but not that you really train you for that kind of thing. No, nothing prepares you. Um, you you you. You go to your training because, you know, my, as chief of police, I'm supposed to be in the background. Yeah. But I, I'm not that kind of chief. No. Uh, I, was, I was there. And uh, my only thing was I grabbed and said, give me the baby because, you know, we're going to get, we're going to save this life. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to give this one back to Oh, him. yeah. And uh, 
I remember, you know, just taking him and running to safety with him. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, the people in the complex, pull the thing, he was just, he was he's, you know, just, he needed a diaper change. And yeah, I, I mean, it was just, uh, you remember all of that. Yeah. I remember what he smelled like. Uh, and I remember the lady's face who said, I have a grandson about that age, come with me, chief. And we went into the apartment and she, she cleaned him up for me. Hmm. And uh, you had another great, part about this town man this is a great city we have good people man to go back to Katrina I remember the mayor made a call and said there's babies in this shelter and they don't have anything to play with within hours there were cars lined up mm -hmm. in front of the river center mm -hmm. with clothes and yeah. toys and I remember seeing my officers uh, a lady was sliding her baby around in a box because she left without the stroller she had no stroller. Hmm. You know, it wasn't there. It was in the waters in New Orleans. And um, um, so I remember him coming in the next day with this huge $300 stroller. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I said, what you doing with that? He said, they need a stroller, Chief. He said, I, I got some extra money. Right. You know. I just saw so many kind things by not yeah. only my officers, but by this community. People in general. They responded to every call that the mayor made, that we made. Yeah. They were there. Sometimes were I there. think we don't give ourselves enough credit no, for having man. compassion. But you brought up something about, you know, going through that and how it wears on you. I can remember, I've had this conversation so many times, and I've told you about this. I can remember people saying, you get emotional. You talk about how passionate you are. And you would get fired up about a subject at a press conference. You'd cry. Yeah. You would shed tears. And you got some criticism for that. But I remember telling people, here's the thing about this guy. <laughs> you see these tears. <laughs> don't, don't ever assume. Oh. Don't ever assume that this is a shrieking, shrinking flower. Right. Most people don't know you because they no. see a 30-second clip on cool. television right. and unfairly uh, or fairly, in some cases, uh, well, it shapes people's opinion. Sure. But they don't know you. No. So let's talk about that. You know, you cry when you uh, when I told the world that my guys were shot. Oh, yeah. And that Terry was dead. Sure. I've been knowing that child since he was three years old. That's right. They didn't know that he had just, he just gotten what he wanted. He was going he was to 23? The yeah, he's a young man. Just gotten engaged, just bought his home, yeah. just, they didn't know that. Chris Metternich, they didn't know. Right. They've been knowing Chris since he was a young man. I, I helped him come here. I helped him start on a motorcycle. I trained mm -hmm. him. He worked for me. They don't know that history. They don't know uh, that I've held this little girl. Yeah. You know, they don't know that I hug his mama every time I see her, you know. They don't know that. Uh, you know, they don't know that when you, I love what I did. Yeah. And I love this city. Yeah. And every time I went to a homicide scene, I took a piece of somebody home with me. You, I went there for one reason. I'm not an investigator, but I figure why not me deal with the family and let my guys work so we can find who, who caused this heartache. Who brought this crime to our city? So I'd hold the hands of the families and look them in the face and give them my word that we were going to do everything we could possibly do. 
And I have close friends now who we met on the crime scene of their loved one. Yeah. That will be friends forever. They're part of my family, you know? And uh, those, those, yeah, I wouldn't trade any of it, you know? And, and, and what people think about you, just don't climb on me. That leads me to this next story. Yeah. And, and obviously the, the, the first part of this, both parts of it are serious. There's a shooting Very. in Borgar Town. The Anglers. Um, and a young woman was shot and killed, and her daughter was oh. shot and left for dead. Yeah. Uh, by someone who was, uh, has he been convicted yet? No, no. It's the trial is okay, just coming. So, so, so we're going to be careful. So we'll about be careful it. with the details yeah. here. So this this happened. And then there, are, uh, obviously there are people out there in that area. Right. And the media is there. Right. And so you are talking with a reporter or a group of reporters. Group of reporters. And so in the midst of your conversation with the reporters, a guy there. From the neighborhood. Yeah, does what we what we call loud capping. Oh yeah, yeah. He, 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 he he's he's grandstanding is another word for it. Yes. But you know, country folks is loud capping. So uh, he he's screaming at you about you know what you don't do uh, and this, what I don't understand, what you don't understand. And so then the interview finishes. Yeah, pick up the story from there. I chased him down. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, man, I'm telling you, I. I was so angry. Oh, yeah. Uh, and people who know me, I have a telltale. When I'm angry, my, uh-huh. my jaws flex. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to climb up his butt. I told and look you, out I saw eyes. on television, I knew you were angry, but I couldn't see where the guy was. I don't know if he was in the he, he shot. He was never in the shot. Yeah. He was just in the back. Yes. And, and this was a live shot. Yeah. He looked yeah. around. Yeah. I, I watched he knew him. what he was doing. He saw the lights on the cameras yeah. on. And he gonna take this moment to shine on me, man. And so you're Usain Bolt getting after yeah, him after so it's over. After it's over, I remember him hollering, "You don't understand!" And I, I didn't say anything. I, you know, I had to compose myself first and try and think of something to say because everything I wanted to say would have been on TV <laughs> like this. Beep 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 beep. That'd have been beeping, man. Look, we're human, man. Yes, we are. I held a title. But I'm a grown man. <laughs> That's right. Don't play with me. That's right. Uh, so I said, I, I remember looking at the camera, and I said, uh, the only thing I could come up with was, everyone is tired of this mess. We were having a lot of murders. That you year. said it just yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 And uh, Kind of looking so, up over the rim of your glasses yeah, at him as you're saying yeah. it. So uh, <laughs> I remember them saying, okay, Chief, thank you. And the guy was going back toward his house. I said, oh, no, cuz. <laughs> so I ran him down. And uh, the guys that were on my administrative staff, one of them was the chief of detective. Uh, I remember Bart looking at me saying, I knew what you were going to do. So he comes running behind me, and he kind of gets between us. But I went, and I wanted to go to that guy. I grabbed the guy. And I, I literally put my hands on kind of heavyset guy. And I said, you say I don't understand? I said, man, let me tell you something. You don't know. You don't have a clue. Because, see, what he didn't remember from not watching the news, not mm-hmm. being informed, right. two weeks before the Angles right. were murdered, right. my own brother-in-law was that, murdered in this right. community. Shot and left shot like, like a, like yeah, a dog yeah. on the side of the road. And that's you going right. to tell me I don't understand? Yeah. Man, you don't have a clue what I understand. Yeah. You'll get hurt. Yes. You, I'm dealing with my wife and yes. my house, my Absolutely. in-laws yeah. that I've been married to in that house since I was 15 years old. 
and I had to give that that message that their youngest son, my wife's youngest brother, mm -hmm. a kid I've been knowing since he was five years old, is dead. Somebody killed him. Yeah. And you're going to tell me I don't understand? I understand better than most, man. That's right. Because I've seen it over and over and over. Now it's in my own house. It's not in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. baby. And that's what I told him. I said, it's not in my neighborhood. I go home every day and look at my wife. Right. Every day. Yeah. Still today. Yeah. But, but okay, you get through this, and in the last couple of years, you, you know the end is in sight because well, you weren't going to be wheeled off the job. You were going to, you knew when, when the time was up, you were going to walk away. I, I knew December I was going to go. Yeah. Uh, I had told the, the chief that I was, I'd been chief. I, I told the mayor, I'm sorry. Uh, I'd been chief right at six years. That's a long run in a city the size of Baton Rouge. Uh, and, you know, Back in the day, I remember talking to Chief uh, Ferries about this. Yeah. He was chief for 10 years or so. and But there wasn't 24-7 media. Yeah. There, there wasn't social media. Yeah. You didn't have to respond to everything like we do today. Uh, and it's even worse now in the five years that I've been gone. People are carrying yeah. oh, man, phone uh, cameras on their phones yeah. now. And, so yeah. it, it's tough. You know, it, you 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 on the job 24-7, you have no time to take that breath yeah. and step away no more. But uh, I had made arrangements that I was going to be gone. Um, but I'm going to be honest, the death, my brother-in-law's murder, took a lot out of me. Yeah. Um, it just to, you know, go home every day. I couldn't talk to my wife about, my wife was my partner in this, man. You know, I'd leave a bad scene and I could go home. A lot of people say they don't bring the job home. I did. I, yeah. I, I, I used my wife as my way to divorce myself sure. from what I'd just gone sure, through so sure. I could get a night's sleep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, not being able to do that anymore. Uh, I couldn't go home and talk about, well, you know, how was your day? You know, it was the same. Yeah, I was okay today. Uh, you on that scene today? Yeah. And that was it. Because murder for her now was different. Yeah. It was different. Um, I remember, uh, see, September 4th, that Labor Day weekend was just a horrible weekend in Baton Rouge in 2010. Yeah. yeah. We had three or four murders that weekend. There was a, a shooting at a hospital that weekend. It was just a mess. And uh, and 5 o'clock in the morning, I remember my, my cell phone going off, and I looked at it, and it says... Uh, Mailed down uh, dead at the corner of uh, Roosevelt and Nicholson. And uh, we had had, uh, I had uh, the mayor and I pushed to get shot spotters and crime cameras in this community. And uh, the shot spotter caught that one. Okay. And it put the officers right on it. And the officer got there so quickly that he saw a car going across the track. Yeah. That he thought maybe had some involvement. They did some searching, found the car, got some warrants, and uh, they were able to find the guys, find the guns, uh, find DNA, and uh, he killed my brother-in-law for a pack of cigarettes, a cell phone, and a lighter. Uh, didn't have nothing else on it. It's him. all senseless. Senseless. It's all senseless. So that that leads to a lot of what you 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 do, you and I have done together. Uh, you while you are on the job wearing the title spent a lot of time in the community did you'd walk I park did. and walk I did. and uh, and talk to young men 
you mentor, you talk with, you console, you chastise, you do all those things. We do all of them, right. What's the problem, man? What's going on? Click, let me tell you something. Uh, It all starts at home. Yeah. Everything starts at home. I am who I am because of Norma and Melton. Yeah. Uh, Too many rules for children today. Children don't need but one rule. And that rule is not in this house. Yeah. I was raised with that one rule. That means you can't make bad grades. You can't act a fool. You got to go to school. You're going to church. Mm-hmm. You're going to do everything right. Mm-hmm. If not, you got to get out of this house. Yeah. Raised my son that way, and he's a very successful man. Yes, he is. So I, too many rules, the broken family. Uh, we have to find, and, and I'm telling you, I'm challenging. I'm going to challenge Everybody, mm-hmm. if you a man, I'm talking to you. Yeah. I don't care what your race is. Yeah. If we're going to fix this, we got to help these children by giving them an example. Yeah. I wear my shoes out still. If you call me, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you, young man. I'm going to take him for a ride. We're going to go talk. We're going to try and develop a relationship. If I can't develop a relationship with him, I'm going to call somebody else that maybe can. That's right. We're not going to give up on him. Yeah. You know, the schools the inner city, the flight from the inner city, the, you know, the, the, the wealth has left the inner cities around this country. Uh, I see Baton Rouge coming back. I see the, what's, what's been done, what the mayor's been able to bring back and what our, our city fathers and, and mothers have been able to do in this community, I think is gonna help. Yeah. Uh, but there's just one thing, and I always believed this, since I was a young man, I've always heard the old folks say, idle hands is the devil's work. No question. We don't have enough for our children to do. Or so we say. We spent a ton of money on a, on a tax here for Breck. Mm-hmm. And Breck has used that money wisely in this community. Yeah. I don't know about communities around the country, but there's lots of activities going on mm-hmm. in our Breck centers now. Mm-hmm. Go to Breck with and your child. And they're they're looking to get kids. That's right. They're begging you to yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. All right? So we have Breck. We have churches, our faith-based community. Uh, there's all kinds of... You can get your children involved in activities. If their hands are busy with something else, they're not putting them on a gun. Yeah. They're not breaking into somebody's house. Yeah. They're not getting shot or shooting at somebody. We have to... And let me tell you this, too. The, the glorification of items. Yeah. In our community, yeah, it's it's at its all time worst. I, I mean, this is bad. When yeah. I rather sell dope, shoot and steal, so I can get what I want. Mm-hmm. We glorify too much stuff, man. And, and take your time and get there. Listen, I I like nice things as much I as anybody. Anybody who knows me knows you. We we like nice things. However. Nice things are not what life is about. They're earned. They're earned. They're earned. And it's better. But but I think so often, man, you and I both have sat with these young men. They don't like themselves. They don't have value for themselves. So things, I think for them, give them a sense of value that they don't have on their own. It's, Somebody said to exactly. me a long time ago, if you don't like yourself when you are by yourself, you have a problem. Exactly, man. 
And I think for these young men, and again, you said it, no matter what your race is, first of all, there needs to be diversity helping exactly. our kids. Exactly. They need to see people of all shades in the trenches telling them you matter. We were with a group of kids two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And it was it was really a case of saying, we're here 7.30 on an evening in an, you know, during the middle of the week because you matter. You matter. And there needs to be a whole lot more of that. Man, we have to. You cannot have a society flourish when you have a part that's ignored. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. And, and that's what our young men feel. Now, let me just tell you, 6% of every of the population of this world has criminal ways. Sure. We're not going to change They're that. They're going to get rid of criminals. You, you, it's not going to stop. Yeah. But a lot of these kids, and I've seen it, yeah. you've seen it, yeah. we've seen it work. Mm -hmm. We've seen it work. Mm -hmm. That if you invest in them and you make them believe in self, if you make them believe that you can get where I am yeah. if you work for it, yeah. you can't steal it. Nope. I'm going to come and get it. I used to tell them, yeah. man, I'm going to come to your house. When the police come, we taking everything. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. I'm taking your money. I'm yeah. taking I'm taking your car. Yeah. We're going to take it all, baby. You can't have it illegally. Sleep well at night. Yeah. Sleep well. It's better when you earn it. Exactly. You feel better about yourself when you have accomplished man, something. You know, God, I don't know. It, it, we have to invest in our kids. Yeah. We have to invest in Because they're so angry, Jeff. They they are angry. They're very angry. That's the emotion you see more than anything else on them in public. They just look so mad. Yeah. And, I mean, I think some of it is rightful. Yeah. Uh, some of these kids have been dealt a bad hand. A bad hand. I'm talking and, about and, the young ones. Yeah, They've been and, dealt, and yeah. And see, what, what folks don't realize, until you go and you put your foot on that that step of that house. Yeah. You don't know what that child's dealing no. with. Every day at home. I mean, drug addicted parents yeah. and, you know. It, well, yeah. it's tougher now because communities did for a fact help raise kids. Someone in your neighborhood could see you doing the wrong thing oh and deal with you and then send you home, home to your and you parents. Got dealt with again. You got dealt with again. If you come on the street in which I live yeah. and you acting a fool, I'm going to deal with you. Yeah. You're not going to come on my street. No question about it. You're not going to have a, a lot of older neighbors. Yeah. I look out for them. Oh, yeah. I'll cut their grass. Yeah. I'll help them take their groceries in. i pick them up when they fall. Yeah. And I'm sure enough going to take care of them if you come over there messing with them. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. so I think we've gotten away from that. And, and we have to, as people, not as black people, white people, as people, um, listen, I'm proud of my forever. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm African-American. My hair might be a little straighter. My skin tone might be a little brighter. But I am who I am. Yeah. I've never changed my stance yeah. on where I was. I'm the same guy before chief, after chief. Sure. And I'm going to die this guy. I love my community, but we got to stop turning our back on the problems. Because I live on this side of town, yeah, and my house is certain square footage, yeah, it don't affect me what happens on that side of town. It right. does, yeah, it does, because it that's does. where I'm from. Yeah, 
That's my folks. Still and there. we all move. We move around this city. That's so well said, because in my house, we believe in the principle of giving something back. We do. And I teach my children that yes, to whom much is given, much is required. Do something. Do something. All right. I've, I've ended every show this way that, you know, last week we were going into part two. And so uh, I've done this and I'm going to I will start a sentence and I want you to finish it in your own words. All right. Here we go. I might have to patent this game because, you know, it's getting I'm going to have to see where you're going with it. <laughs> OK. All right. The biggest success I had as police chief was leaving the job in a, a, a as as an African a minority chief African African American African American chief leaving it where there could be a second. The angriest, and outside of the loss of officers and the the story we ter- told earlier, the angriest on the job I ever was was when. False accusations. When people just lied on us. People lie on you, man. Uh, They lied on us uh, during the storm, uh, said that we did some god-awful things. And to be vindicated down the road, it feels good. This was other police departments, some of which said you were doing it. And then other police officers who were there from other places said, we didn't see any of that. Right. One thing about Baton Rouge that most of its citizens don't know is its heart. Baton Rouge has the biggest heart. When the chips are down, Baton Rouge is up. They might clobber you when things going good, you know? They might. But when the chips are down, Baton Rouge is in it to win it, man. I'm telling you, great people in this community, big hearts. When I met people, the one thing I wanted to leave them with was. I love my job. I love my family. Uh, That I'm a decent guy. All you got to do is sit down for a minute and figure me out. When I think about my family. I love them. I couldn't. uh, Nobody would know who Jeff LaDuff is if it wasn't for Cassandra. She helped raise me. She helped make me the man I am. I love him. I love my son. I love my daughter. I love my grand. I, I love deeply. And a lot of times Baton Rouge saw that. That's the tears. Because I love hard. Uh, but, man, I love my family. And finally, I want my legacy to be that I raised a baby boy into a grown man and that I stayed married to his mother until the day one of us died and that I will forever be the first African-American chief of police of the capital city of the state of Louisiana. And you will always be that. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. It has been another great edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way you'll always be in the know with what's going on with the show. Hey, there's a rhyme right there on the way out. Have a great week. See you next week for the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. 
Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.